Welcome to episode 12 of Come On You Reds. My name is Devang Desai of TorontoFC.ca and I'm here as always with Gareth Wheeler from TSN Wheels. How's it going? Awesome, buddy. You said you're losing your voice. Yeah. Am I, am I going to have to carry this thing? <laughs> I think unfortunately I, my voice is coming back, which might be unfortunate for our listeners, but uh, you have to bear with me. 1-1 in New England, you know, a tough place to play. The turf wasn't great. And also, I think off the top, we got to just talk about Josie Altidore is going to miss at least a month. That's a big blow for us. Now, I'll give Josie credit that oftentimes you see players try to play through a hamstring injury and it ends up in a bad situation because hamstrings are erratic. They're unpredictable. Um, even of course, over the course of my playing career, I, I saw players basically lose half a season due to the fact that they haven't treated or dealt with their hamstring issue appropriately. So he knew right away. I, I say that the turf strikes again. Like this is a part and parcel of playing on field turf. And I know that there will be that segment of the population that says it's not that bad and you have to have field turf in North America. This is what it does to the athletes because it's the stop, start, it's just the texture of the field, um, the difficulty planting. And you saw Josie just pulled up right away. He knew it right away, and he pulled himself off. That is a significant loss for Toronto SC. You cannot replace Josie and what he brings, but you can try to fill holes for the meantime. And I'm pretty confident in the options that Greg Vanny has that TFC is going to be able to do that. Option-wise, what are you looking at? I think Jordan Hamilton's a player that's going to get a chance to Right, DK cannot be recalled from San Antonio until May. I think there's a, the cutoff window is is passed. Luke Moore, Jordan Hamilton, Robbie Finley. I guess that's what we're looking at right now. Well, Robbie Finley's dealing with a bit of an Achilles issue at present time, so that seems to be a lingering thing. So I'm not sure how long that may keep him on the sidelines. I don't think the club knows either from yeah. the conversations that I've had. This is the time for Jay Hams to shine. I've been calling this for a while. I think you have on the podcast as well. I want to see what Jordan Hamilton can do. Because in glimpses, whether it be for the Canadian under-20s, whether it be for TFC2, glimpses that we've seen of him in and around the club, it seems like he's a player that could fit the bill. Um, as a young, talented striker with speed that can make some kind of impact. I look at a guy in Orlando right now in Kyle Laren. Right. He scored four goals already, and he's leading the line for Orlando City. It's rare that a young player can just step in and have that kind of impact, but let's see what Jordan Hamilton can do. Seriously, I'm excited about the fact that this is finally going to give him an opportunity to shine. So through this loss of Altidore, maybe TFC and Vanny finds another option, a young player that's ready to step up and take his chance. Silver Linings Playbook. Starring Bradley Cooper, second second edition. My thing is like last year, almost at the exact same time when TFC played Tottenham, that was Jay Ham's coming out party. It might almost line up kind of kind of similarly with Man City, the Man City friendly coming up as well. You could see that. Looking back at the game, New England, I would say, beside DC United and Columbus, probably the cream of the East. That's a very good result for me. I felt I was very very surprised at the, the pushback in the second half and that Mike Rivaldi goal well what, what else can you say really I thought TFC played exceptionally well in the first half of play Javinko went off the post they created the better opportunities and I give full credit to the midfield shape of this team 
I, I like the move that Greg... They, they, they found, though, this this seems to be the shape they should use going forward, full stop. Like, this is it. The diamond midfield? Right. Uh, 100%. And it, it's kind of funny because Vanny alluded to that fact the previous week that something was going to be done to remedy the defensive midfield position. Well, with, with Colin playing a little bit deeper, allowing Michael to get forward and bringing in uh, Azorio... Oso just loves possessing the ball. Like he, I, I just, he's just so comfortable with the ball in his foot, and I think that that complements both Sheru and Bradley around him. And I thought that the midfield, especially over the first half, completely dictated the tempo of that game. And and it wasn't as if they're playing against slouches. They're playing against a very good New England team on their home field. For me, Benoit Sheru is the most important member of that midfield because he allows, he gives Bradley the confidence to, to know that he can go forward without worrying about what's going on at the back. I said this on Twitter, but I wish I was as composed in just general day-to-day life as Benoit Sheru is on the ball. You look at him, he, even in the most stressful situations, he's still composed enough to like kind of work his way out of I guess tumultuous uh, spots. This to me with Warner, who Colin Warner's work rate. There's shades of Bradley there where it's like this guy does not stop. I I like this mix, and I think it's taken some time. You're not really going to learn about your team and how it best operates when you start the season with seven or eight games on the road. You're not. It's it's about survival. So that's why these next couple weeks leading into the Gold Cup, where unfortunately they'll lose some players, is so important to figure out what you have. What you have in the midfield shape. And I think that there's balance amongst those four aforementioned players. And you were there. You were there in person. I mean, just watching on television, I just love the way that they work together. And I think that Greg's found something in that midfield uh, quartet. So today, uh, speaking of the media, Greg Vanny was talking about what they do without Josie Altidore. And he was... I guess uh, saying wingers could be involved more. Seba playing more like a forward role. For me, I I think Seba playing in a more forward role is probably makes the most sense with Jordan Hamilton as maybe uh, a deputy and Luke Moore also starting in that kind of position. But for you, I'm still kind of concerned like the lack of wing play in the midfield. I understand like we are we, it's a trade off, but do you do you see it the same way? They don't have natural depth in the squad. Like they don't. They traded away Dominic Oduro, who's done very well with the Montreal Impact. But I think that was a calculated risk based upon the fact that they want wingbacks still that can get forward and join the attack. I think once this thing evolves into whatever it's going to become, then you're expecting those wingbacks to get forward, which kind of leads to my next topic I wanted to bring up is what the team still needs to address or needs to bring in or what they need to do to become a more complete team. I'm not as worried about the strikers and and the fact that Altidore's out. I still think that you can play Jay Chapman in an attacking midfield role. And Javinko, obviously, he can play different positions. Moore can play different. You have adaptable players up front, so I'm not worried about that. I'm still worried about the back four. And not in the individual players, per se, but maybe in the depth of them because injuries have really played a, a huge factor in this team. And I think ideally, as strong as Ashton Morgan has played on the left-hand side, you still want Moro playing in his natural position, which is left back at, at some right. point. Like he's right. good enough to play right back, right. but you want to see a rotation between he 
and Ashton at left back. And, you know, Morrow can play right back as need be. I still think that Tim Bezvachenko needs to do everything he can to bring in another right back. And, and maybe another center back just to settle things down. I was fine with the way that they played against New England. There was a couple breakdowns, but again, against a very good team who were putting all kinds of pressure. And credit Chris Kanopka for stepping up and playing well. But I still think for this team to take that next step and be a true upper, upper echelon team in MLS week in, week out, they need to address those two positions. It's a good segue into our red of the week, and it's Chris Kanopka for me, because like there was moments at the end of that game where it was like, oh, this is so TFC, it's, they're going to concede late, but Chris Kanopka came up huge defensively, I think this is the, and I'm with you, I'm with you 100%, eventually there has to be a, a I guess a steady ground for us to, to go forward from I think Damian Perkis played very well on Saturday, but I, I don't know. I'm is, is, is he going to be able to play thirty four games? Like th- this is with with games coming fast and furious right now. I, I just look at those positions and saying, you know what, you need something more there. I, I'm not sure that their draft picks, some of their young players are ready. Bloomy still dealing with the with the lingering issue injury. Uh, Simonin, same thing. Like Caldwell, like I, I don't know. Like not, no one knows when he's going right. to get back. I, I really think that they're going to need at least a couple more players of quality at both right back and at and at center back. My, can I can I get, do my top right? Of course, of course. Michael Bradley. Yeah. Can we just put? I know in some circles, people love to criticize the guy. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. There's only so much that one player can do in a team sport like soccer. <laughs> like it's insane. Right. And he put the team on his back on, on on Saturday. I love the way that Michael plays. I'm a big fan of the player and the person, quite frankly. He's my top red. And hopefully this just shuts up some of the unnecessary, the undeserved criticism of the player. I believe it was Taylor Swift who said the haters going to hate, 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 hate. And that's that's you will never stop them from doing that. The work rate that Michael Bradley has on the field, it's unparalleled, man. Like you just watch it, and it rubs off on other players. Like I was saying earlier, Colin Warner, you look at same same kind of attributes he's kind of honing into his own game. Fantastic. That goal, also the celebration, smack in the corner, flag down. I'm like, get in, get in. There was a bit of a fist bump in the in the press box. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, all right, I think we've we've covered everything we need to cover. Uh, we're going to look forward to Portland after the segment. Uh, see you soon. This is Sebastian Jovinko, and you're listening to Come on Your Left. Welcome back to Kohanu Reds, teeing up this Saturday's match against the Portland Timbers. On paper, Portland's a dangerous team, but so far this year, the results have not added up for Caleb Porter. No, they've only had Diego Valeri back, what, two games? Mm -hmm. Three tops. Uh, He made his first start a couple weeks ago. Now, they did go to Houston and lose 
uh, to the Dynamo last weekend. 3-1 was the final. Perhaps this could end the conversation that the Dynamo aren't a good team. <laughs> like, that was the thing around Toronto FC's home opener that they were playing this horrible Dynamo team. I'm like, wait a second here. A team with Boniac Garcia, Demarcus Beasley, Will Bruin, Giles Bar- I'm like, this team is pretty good. They just have a new manager. It takes time for them to kind of change their ways. So perhaps that lame conversation can come to an end. But I like this Portland Timbers team. I actually think that they've been playing a lot better than what the standings and what the results have shown. I think they're balanced. I think that um, they can be exposed a little bit at the back. But as they get healthier, um, I think that this team is at least a group that I will consider uh, to be a playoff team in the Western Conference, a team that will rise up through the table as the season progresses. As a Canadian international fan, Will Johnson coming back into the fold after that injury he suffered in Toronto last year. Oh, it was horrible. And it might be it might be kind of fitting that you would see Mark Bloom and Will Johnson play in that same game starting kind of like a nice a nice close to a tumultuous time for everyone involved. Well, Will Johnson's been playing with the Portland Timbers or Timbers 2 team. Um I'm not sure if he'll play this weekend. I, I, it's been rumored for weeks on end now that he's on the verge of making his return. It would be kind of apropos if he did make his return here in Toronto, perhaps just as a substitute. That That's more likely than Will starting from the get-go. But he's a player that a lot of individuals who have covered both the Canadian uh, men's national team and Toronto FC over the years, an individual who's grateful with his time, a tireless worker, a talented player, He's worked hard for everything that he's earned in Major League Soccer. And that was just such a devastating day. for I think for all Canadian soccer fans, seeing the way that it played out last year with Will. In terms of the Timbers in general, Valeria side, who is the most dangerous player to watch? Well, I, I'm going to go back to Valeri, but Esprit is dangerous going up up front as well. I don't think that they're they're a team that has those star players. I think they're just kind of solid all over the field. And you, if you look at this Portland Timbers team... Um, they play in a much more difficult conference in the West. So I don't really look at their early season struggles and say, oh, this is a bad team that's coming in. It's kind of the same story with the Houston Dynamo, who moved over to the Western Conference to, right. to start this season. Right. There's no such thing as an easy game out West. So I look for this Portland team to come in with something to prove coming off a loss to the Houston Dynamo. To me, it's like you look at Liam Richwell, you look at there's obviously there's a formidable squad. And also, if you took the home opener for granted and looked at Houston being like, a, eh, that should be a win. Obviously, it's not the case. For me, I'm uh, I'm curious to see, tired-wise, at the end of the game against New England, clearly the legs are kind of going. And this month is not that busy, but we slowly get into a, a very formidable test in terms of like just matches in general. Squad rotation for me is a thing, and now with Josie out, you're looking at a lot of games for a lot of the same players. Michael Bradley, I know he's almost a, a robot, but like this is this is a lot of a lot of tread on those tires. Right. See, when I saw that at the end of the game, I thought that was more about the New England Revolution putting on the pressure, putting all the pressure on TFC than anything to do with um, tired legs. I thought that that uh, it just was a little bit of a lack of composure by TFC instead of just keeping the ball. And, and maintaining possession, they just went for the easy clearance. And and when I ever saw, and I wasn't there, but whenever I saw Javinko, he was just running back and forth. Like there was no passing on the ground to his feet. So I think that's a lesson that should be learned for Toronto FC is it takes another level to see out matches the appropriate way. 
it was more about survival last weekend in New England. But I think that if they hold a lead, my God, I'd love to see Toronto FC play from a lead because they've done well when they've done so this season. But they're always playing catch up in games, which does take uh, uh, require a lot more energy and a lot more fitness to be used. So, but I, I just think that there's a level of composure that needs to be that needs to be added to this this um, to this group that hasn't really been shown thus far. You know what's weird to me though. When they were, when they, I guess their backs against the wall would be the the cliche to use there. But why, why was Luke Moore and Seppa, why were they still playing so far forward? That's what I I didn't really understand. Yeah. In terms of like a tactical substitution, you may be bringing a Jay Chapman to like basically, or bringing which they did with Warren Craval, like try to get more defenders back there. But like I was kind of surprised by that. It was a little bit disjointed. I'm I'm not sure what the answer was because I was thinking at the exact same time. Like even when New England was putting on a lot of pressure, neither player was really checking back to defend. Right, right. So it, it did seem a little bit odd to me. Uh, Portland's got players that can score. AD's been a real nice player, a real nice addition to Nagby's the N- Nagby Yuruti. Yeah. Um, boy. Yeah, yeah. Is he your boy? Uh, he's my boy. Okay. He's my boy. So still a big fan. Still a big fan. Um, Jewsbury, like they they have some talent with that Portland Timbers team, but I think that there are some of other parts rather than the individual pieces that stand out like Toronto FC. So they're going to come. Like Portland's played a couple really good games against the Vancouver Whitecaps this year, where it's been the Whitecaps on the back foot really just counterattacking because they like ball possession as well. So it's going to be up to Toronto FC. I don't think that Portland's going to sit back like the Dynamo did at BMO Field for the home opener. I think Portland's going to come out and try to possess the ball. So it's going to be incumbent about Toronto FC, much like last week, to dominate the central midfield area and just not give away possession cheaply, remain organized, and try to use uh, and get the ball. And this is, We can say this every week. Get the ball to Seba as much as possible on his feet. Please, no long balls. Just get it to him on his feet and let him let him absolutely shine. Prediction-wise, Wheels, I'm going to go first. I look at this as like a 2-0. This should be a clean one. This should be. I'm going to go 1-0. 1-0 for Toronto FC. Listen, this team is too good not to win at home. I think that without Altador, things may be a little bit more um, structured than they would be. I think they're going to have to rely upon being much more structured, maybe a little bit more compact, which I think will play to their strengths. If Once it turns into an expansive game, a run-and-gun type style, I don't think that plays in Toronto FC's favor just because they don't think that they have the natural speed through the midfield. They have guys who are really good on the ball, but also he, he's not a, not a particularly fast player. And he's, right. Neither is Warner, neither is Shea Rue. They just love to control the tempo of the game. So if you can kind of have a more consistent, uh, structured build, I think that it would really pay some dividends. I would love to see Greg Vanny start Jordan Hamilton. I, I, I would love to I would love to see it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love to see it. You're not alone. The the Jay Hams fan club, it's big. Well, it's, just, it's just, you know what you're getting from Luke Moore, and I think that he can be an effective player in this league coming off the bench. I don't know if he's a 90-minute player week in, right. week out. He can be. Right. He's shown for this Toronto FC team in, in, in previous times that he can be that guy. But I think that any time you can add that little bit extra pace, the speed, the maybe, maybe the youthful exuberance, that it could work out in Toronto FC's favor. The diabolical element is the uh, youthful exuberance. That's way better than you stole my line. So, like, perfect. <laughs> 
All right, we'll be back after the break. Getting to know you, uh, we've done, we've almost done like the entire starting lineup, but someone we haven't done is Ben Washeru, and he's coming up next on the podcast. This is Nick Haglin, and you're listening to Come On You Reds. Follow the club on Twitter at Toronto FC and use hashtag TFC Live to follow the action on game days. Welcome back to Come On You Reds. I'm here with Ben Washeru, Toronto FC's versatile midfielder. Ben, how's it going? I'm okay, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Getting to know you, just five questions about life outside of soccer. Are you ready? Yeah, of course. Ben, your favorite movie, if you had to choose of all time? I have to say maybe Gladiator. Russell Crowe? Yes, Russell Crowe, <laughs> wonderful story. Uh, and, uh, yes, it's, uh, you can find everything in this movie. Have you found your favorite French restaurant in Toronto yet? Not yet, but uh, I'm looking for it. Le Paradis and Le Select, two good options. Yeah, maybe, but I have to 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 taste also the, the Canadian food and uh, Italian food, uh, Portuguese food, a lot of of uh, kind of restaurants in Toronto, and I'm sure I can eat uh, as in France. Who's uh, your favorite teammate that you've ever played with? I guess just like uh, off the field, just a nice personality that you you got to know during your time in Marseille or beforehand. Oh, of course, Damien Perkis. <laughs> he tells uh, that uh, we are like brothers here, but it's true because uh, uh, it was uh, not so easy for us to, to come here. Uh, we didn't speak English very well, so we have to improve it. And uh, we were um, helping it, uh, each other for, for everyday, um, everyday battle. Damien said he's, he's taking English lessons. Are, are you as well? Yes, of course. To improve it, uh, you have to, to take lessons and uh, to, to speak every day uh, to, uh, to be a, a better Canadian. I noticed on the road you, you're watching a TV series on your laptop. Is it True Detective? Is that what you're watching? Or? Yeah, look, uh, I watch a lot of uh, series in, uh, in English, of course, in VO. Uh, I did it uh, in, in France yet to, to improve my English and to be, to be ready for this uh, adventure. Ben, I guess, uh, what's your, your most memorable footballing moment, I guess, in your entire career? What was, like, the one moment that really it's your favorite, you would say? Uh, I guess uh, when I won the, the, the French Cup in, uh, near Paris in Stade de France. Right. Because I grew up just uh, 10 kilometers from here, and uh, all my family was there. My parents, grandparents, who love soccer and uh, who who drive me to the, to the stadium uh, every day to, to train when I was uh, a kid. So it was a, a very emotional thing for me to win the cup and to let them touch the, the cup. So Ben, last question. If I were to go to France, what's the one thing I should do if I go visit? Uh, there are so many things to <laughs> do. Uh, so many places, uh, wonderful places, different places in uh, such a little country if we have to compare to Canada. But uh, there are a lot of uh, things to do, of course. Thanks so much, Ben, for joining us. This is Michael Bradley, and you're listening to Come On You Reds. Follow the club on Twitter, at TorontoFC, and use hashtag TFCLive to follow the action on game days.
And we're back. Thank you so much to Benoit Sheru for classing up the joint, giving us some uh, some much needed flavor in the uh, the Kalani Reds podcast. Wheels. What else? What else is there to say? Like just in life or or, or, or Major League Soccer? I, I just wanted to bring up the fact that a lot of the results last weekend went Toronto FC's way. Sure. How did how did how did Chicago bottle that? Uh, up up a man up two nil. I'm not convinced in that Chicago Fire team. And I'm even looking above the Chicago Fire. The Columbus crew went down to 10 men. They lost in San Jose. Somehow, D.C. United loses to the Philadelphia Union. Pfeffer scores in in time added on. And the Philadelphia Union, probably to most people, including myself, the worst team in Major League Soccer, pulls out a win against one of the so-called best teams in, in Major League Soccer. And I'll say this, Circle Week 11 on the calendar and circle that result because I've been predicting this all season that's, long. That's, I, the, that's I, the away game, TFC, DC United. Well, I, I'm just thinking that, well, wasn't this just week 11? I think we just passed right, week 11. Right, right. So um, I predict that we're going to see a little bit of a coming back down to earth by DC United. I don't think they're that good. They also have injury problems as well. Right. Yeah. I don't think they can sustain injuries. Like I, I thought that last season, one of the reasons why they did so well is they were fit. They were generally healthy, and I think they overachieved. I think that this team is good, not great, and the results thus far, winning multiple games and time added on, I think it covered up some warts in that team. So I, I think that D.C. United are going to come crashing back down to earth to a certain degree, and that's why I'm circling last week against Philadelphia as the moment, the turning point in all the wrong ways for D.C. United. Who's the best team in the league right now? Ooh. I think we saw a battle between two of the teams that impressed me the most last weekend, FC Dallas and New York Red Bulls. I thought the Red Bulls were going to take a big step back. Jesse Marsh has them playing ball right now. They're structured. They're deep in multiple positions across the board. There's not a lot of flash and flair. Like Bradley Wright Phillips was exceptional last season. Clayton's been fantastic. They both picked up right where they've left off. They've come as advertised. And with a strong midfield with Dax McCarty and company, I I really like the Red Bulls, the team, and how they're built. I think that they're built for success. Um, I guess those are the teams that kind of jump off the page to me. For all the wrong reasons, the Los Angeles Galaxy losing 4-0 to an expansion team. No Robbie Robbie Keane, sorry. they're a much different team. Don't worry, though. Steven Gerrard's coming. Stevie G <laughs> is coming to save the day. That's what I said Like with, 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 the, with the Galaxy and with New York City FC. Frankie Lamps and Stevie oh, G yeah. coming. I, I, I don't know. I, I think you, they'll be good, not great. I, did you take issue with uh, Steven Gerrard saying there'd be less pressure when he came to MLS? I know context-wise, it was worth digging into the entire quote, but still, it was... Eh, it was wasn't his best PR game. No, no. But I will say the week before the post-match at Chelsea, his PR game was on point, <laughs> throwing it down to Chelsea supporters. Uh, and he's being brutally honest about his assessment uh, of where he thinks Liverpool are at, really playing down expectations. So I appreciate what he's been saying that way. Look, there, there will be less p- pressure because he was the man at Liverpool. Yeah. In Major League Soccer, he's going to be a star player, but doesn't carry the same who, responsibility. Uh, who takes the penos? Is it Keane or Gerard? I'm assuming it's got to be Keane, right? I, I think so. It, it's, banter. There'll be banter to be had. Is, is Keane still playing? Ooh. 
Breaking news, Gareth Wheeler hates the LA Galaxy. Perfect. All right. We will see you next week. Uh, get ready for the game uh, with content on torontofc.ca, and we will see you soon. Thank you.